0: summer gets uh, closer to drawing to a close. It's uh, one of the great zafuyos of the summer each year. When uh, Rav Bamberger Shlita uh, agrees to, uh, to come and share Torah with us, it always gives such great chizik. I just want to make a, a plug. Um, I am an avid listener. Of Rabbi Berbergers So I saw one of the questions on the Q and A with me and Rabbi Razna, that wasn't asked last night is, what do you guys, what do you, what do you listen to uh, on, uh, you know, on, on, uh, you know, in your spare time or in your uh, your commute? And uh, Rabbi Berberger's uh, shmuuzin always just they they hit home. He's so down to earth and he has a good Torah to back up all of his Yesodos in in Hashkatha and his yisodos in uh, in musar. So one of the uh, great. Uh, Privileges of uh, my life uh, is—I uh, mentioned last year that uh, in my three years in Lambda College, I got to sit next to Rabbi Bamberger every morning uh, for a few hours, every single morning. So we got to schmooze a lot in learning and about other things. And like whenever I needed, you know, something to uh, to frame what was going on in the world or how to relate to Balabatam and certain and he just has this incredible gift in being able to uh, to do so in a uh, in an impactful way. So uh, I always uh, try uh, to, to get Rav Bamberger to come and to speak to the Masmidim. And again, it's part of this idea of giving you exposure to significant uh, Talmidei Chachamim uh, that, uh, that you can gain a great deal from. So I just want to thank him for making the shlep, and his son for also uh, making the shlap together with him and sharing Torah with us this evening.
1: Meridas um, to it's a, a very big covet for me to be here in Camp Kailey and uh, to participate in this Kailal, in this Masmidim program, and Maidid Nefesh uh, is, uh, is an inspiration to me and to so many others, and, uh, and if he calls me and asks me uh, to come up, then besides for wanting to be here... Other reasons but but just for the uh, for the fact that he took the time to ask me to come is uh is reason enough to come and to make the trip, and uh, he needs no introduction he needs no shabbat. everybody that 's in the space matters knows uh, his his godless and his chachma and his pitlus and his his and uh, mm-hmm. his popularity in the whole uh on so many levels and uh, it's a great to be here and I thank him and I thank all of you uh, for being here this evening. One of the great parts of Camp Kaylee, besides for the Crown Jewel which is this Masmidan program, is that there was a kidish in Camp Kaylee and that is that they were able to take a regular camp and they were able to have a concept called inclusion, that they were able to take regular quote-unquote children and young adults and developmentally disabled ones and put them together in a bunk and on the playing fields and in the dining room and be able to establish kisharim with one another, which is a a chesed beyond. Because if we could go into the minds and the hearts of People that are not as fortunate as us, and then and and yearn to be a regular camper, a regular walker and, and not have that ability, and yet somehow this magical place was formed in order to give them that ability. That's a, a chesed that's beyond our imagination, and I think that this week's parsha really is a makar for this entire experience. Of this camp, of this great makhum, there's a pasuk in this week's parsha, in parsha's Pinchas, that says, to These are the children of Don. Speaking about the the amount of descendants that came from everyone of the shvatim, forty six thousand four hundred from b'nei Don. Don these are the children of Don Lishuham Shuham Shuham was the son of Don it's fascinating that the Torah says Eli Ne Don he only had one son his name was Shuham and another way of calling Shuham was Chushim, Chushim ben Don was of course the famous individual that appears in the Gemara and Saita who when Yaakov Avina was being taken to Maras Machpelah for his Afrin, for his Kvurah. So Esav all of a sudden appears on the scene and makes a machah, he protests, he says, no, he says, why does Yaakov get to be buried in this burial plot? It's mine. And they say, well, you know, you sold Yaakov the b'chair. He says, yeah, maybe I sold him the, the b'chair, the chelak I sold him the chelak ha'p'shutah, the regular chelak. I'm still a son of Yitzhak. I should be in Ty. Tai- who says that he should get it? I should get it. So they say, well, there's a contract somewhere in Mitzrayim that says just that, that it's Yaakov's, it's Yaakov's burial plot. So he says, all right, so, you know, bring, bring the star. So the Gemara says that who are we going to send? They sent Naphtali. Naphtali was klila ka'aila. As the Palsik says, Naphtali ayala shlucha. Naphtali was very, very fast. He was able to make it all the way back to Mitzrayim very quickly to get that shtar to retrieve the shtar in time to bury Yaakov Avinu. And while this whole thing was going on, Hushim, the son of Don, who was deaf, he was hard of hearing, he was physically challenged, he takes a, uh, a baseball bat, a club, and he bangs the head of Esau, and the head of Esau goes flying, it goes rolling onto the lap of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu smiles, the Gemara says. Of course, the head of Esav ends up being buried um, in the Maras Mahfela, according to some Medrashim. And, um, and that was it. And that was it. But Hushim emerges as a hero in that story. He was the one that expedited the Kvura of, of Yaakov Avinu. Reb Chaim Shmulevitz parenthetically has a famous shmuz about this that of all of the sons in Anaklach of of Yaakov Avinah, the only one to step to the plate with the baseball bat was Khushim, because since he was deaf, ironically, that worked in his favor because everybody that's not deaf, everybody that's sort of listening to this whole Mason Matin between between the the brothers and between Esau, and they're looking at it from a Khaishemishba tick standpoint. Khushim doesn't know from any chachmas. He just sees that his grandfather is is, is is lying there at Bebizayin, and this can't be. And he was the one that, that went and did the maissa of, uh, of killing Esau and allowing Yaakov Avinu to be buried. It's interesting, just parenthetically also, that from the Gemara's Mashmah that Naftali never actually came back with the shtar. This whole thing happened. Naftali was already, presumably, already on the road to back to Mitzrayim to fetch the shtar. And then, in the meantime, Chushim killed him, and uh, they didn't need the Shtar. But it seems funny. The Pusik says, Naftali ayol neisin imrei shefer, the Gemara Darashin's <laughs> al-tikri imrei shefer, imrei sefer, that he was the one that was supposed to bring back dishtar, but <laughs> the Shtar, but han imrei the Pusik is mashma that he actually gave the Imre <laughs> shefer, he gave the sefer. <laughs>. But the Gemara, in, the Babli doesn't sound like that, but if you look, there's a Targum Yenison that actually says that, yeah, that he did come back. Then Naphtali returned with the star, showed it to Esav, and then Chushim ben Don killed Esav. But the whole, but the story was complete. Naphtali was actually able to complete his mission and bring back the actual star. <coughs> if you look in the Chavitz Chaim in this week's parsha, so he says something unbelievable. He says that this Chushim ben Don was the only son of Don. He only had one child. And this child was hard of hearing, this child was, had a physical challenge, and probably everybody wrote him off. You can imagine, you know, he, was, he, didn't have, he wasn't able to hear, Don Nebuchadnezzar had one son, the one son that he had, hard of hearing, and from this one son, says Chavitz Chaim, came 46,400 people. Shaveth Binyamin, if you contrast that, Binyamin, who had ten sons, he had much less than that. He had, he had almost half. He had very, very few actual descendants coming from Binyamin, even though he had ten sons. Ten very strong, mighty sons. We know all their names was Hashem Yasef, and many of them didn't make it, and, and those that did make it, they, didn't, they weren't able to produce nearly the amount of offspring that this one person, this Khushin Ben was able to produce. Says the Chavitz that you see from here a tremendous lesson. That sometimes in life you see people that have disabilities, people that have challenges, people that everybody voted least likely to succeed and nothing is going to be with them, and Nebuch and they, you know, you feel bad. Never count out anybody, says the Lecha Chaim, because every single person, every Yid has so much potential and that the Torah brings us out through Chushim ben Don. Bendan ben Don, besides for being the hero that enabled Yaakovim to be buried and to get his covet Ahrein, but he also was able to produce so many thousands of people from him. An amazing thing. It's not just people that have developmental disabilities that this is true for there's so many people in life that are do not have developmental disabilities, but they're not popular. They have different issues, and we know them, and we feel bad for them, but we don't always include them. We're not always so good. Maybe sometimes we're better doing the Kaley model than, than the regular model. If sometimes there's a guy in our shir or a guy in our room, or a guy in our Fabura in our and he's not so popular and he's not, so, uh, he's not so cool and he's not so he's not so brilliant. So very often we sort of tend to stay away from them. We're not going to bring our meal over in the cafeteria and eat, by, eat right next to them. You know, let other people do it or whatever. I have my chevra and that's not who I'm going to hang out with. What we have to learn from what we've said already this evening is that it's our obligation to include everybody. You can't count anybody out, and you should know that it's exactly, it's precisely those people that you think are least likely to succeed, and this is something that Rickham used to say, the people in life that you find were most (laughs) least likely to succeed oftentimes are the most successful. And I see this in my own life. When I was in elementary school, I had a big class, I went to Hebrew Academy of Long Beach, and there were, I think I had 25, 26 boys in the class and there were some really cool guys in my class and they were very good in basketball and they were very sharp and they were very good looking and most of them didn't really amount to too much. The ones that I follow, you know, in terms of what happened to them in the course of their life. And very often it was the, the, the guys that were like, not so cool, not even so smart, and they had issues, but some, somehow they were able to have a tremendous amount of bracha on their life Either they became tremendous, or they became very wealthy businessmen and established beautiful mishpachas, and they're leaders in their community. I don't know why that is. I'm not here to explain that. That's just the reality. Chazal say, "Hizarum That from a sometimes they're hungrier than everybody else. They already rest on their laurels, but people that have issues and they have struggles they're determined, they're committed sometimes to really ramp up their game, to ratchet it up and to make themselves into people that no one ever imagined that they would be. I'll tell you a story that I, I, I regret that I didn't bring my prop with me. I normally, when I say this, I, but I thought about it just in the car, I guess, that years ago, in the, first, in the early years of Lander, um, must be going back around 18 years ago, 18, 19 years ago, so I had a Talmud that came. He was a very nice boy, he was a Baal and when he came to Yeshiva, he didn't know which side of the Gemara was Rashi, and which side of the Gemara was Tisus. That's how elementary his knowledge of learning was. But he was a wonderful boy and he came to everything. If I gave a Chaburah after davening, he was there. And if I gave a Daph he was there. And if, he, if there was a Shirkwala, he was there. And a bad, he was there. And shmuzi, he was a Shabbos, Yantavi. He was always there, and he was always sitting front row center, and he was lapping up knowledge. He just wanted, he couldn't get enough knowledge. He just wanted to grow. And he was an amazing, amazing young man. And then he, uh, he got married, Canada. I flew up to the chasna. beautiful chasna. And then he went off to Eretz and he um, and he uh, and then I didn't hear from him for quite a while, for many years. He, he, he joined the Kail and Yerushalayim somewhere, and that's really the last I heard of him. And then, like a few years ago, maybe five, six years ago, I get a package in the mail, and it has his name on it, but now it's not his his old name; it's a new name, his first name, and and. Um, it's from Yerushalayim, and it, there's a sefer in it. And I said, well, it's so nice. So I opened it up, and there was a nice chash of a sefer on, on Iser Beheter, and it has beautiful askamas. And I thought, so nice. He sent me a sefer. It's such a beautiful gift. That's such, such a, a sweet gesture, you know. And so he inscribed it. And then I looked in the Sharblat and I see that he was the author of the sefer. And it has askamas from the G'dayle Eretz Yisrael, the or Yerushalayim. They were speaking about Haraba Gain. It's a guy that within, like, a, maybe... 10 years, not more than 10, 11 years, he went from somebody that didn't know the difference between Rashi and Tisis, to somebody that's getting Haskamas from the Ga'ina Yerushalayim, and he's putting out a safer this thick. And I like bringing it just to show people you think I'm, you, know, you think I'm making it up. Never ever count out anybody. Because it's not for the people that are the most challenged and the people that are, that are least likely to succeed in our minds that they suddenly, vaksais, they grow into these tremendous people. And it's frightening because you see like how off you were about them, how, how you misjudge them. And it's so important, and this is maybe the greatest chinuch that Camp Keli could give us, is that you have to include everybody. You have to include everybody. When my girls go to camp... They go to sleepaway camp, whether they're, this year, Baruch Hashem, they're already in counselor positions, they don't have to pay, but all the years, you know, that's, that, right? that's one of the Yiddish Anachas, when they go from being a paid, you know, camper to being a counselor, it's like, wow, that's amazing. Um, nobody here knows, you'll see when you're, when you're my age, you'll get it. But, um, but when they were younger, I said, on the, right before they went on the bus, they already knew my shmuz, and they said, I said, listen, I'm not sending you to camp to be the most popular girl in camp. I'm not sending you up to camp to win color war. I'm not sending you up to camp to, uh, you know, I'm sending you up to camp, I'll das one thing and one thing only. That there will be a girl in your bunk who is going to be the least popular girl and nobody's gonna wanna hang out with her. Nobody's gonna wanna have anything to do with her and she's gonna be crying herself to sleep every night and I want you, it's your job, and this is why I'm sending you there, that you're gonna make her popular. And if you do that, then the whole thing was to And that's what a yid is supposed to do. And I told them then this year also, in their is there's going to be a camper in your bunk, going to be sad. That's who, don't focus on the cool girls. Focus on the girls that need you, that need that extra khizah. Because that's what we're here for. That's what we're here to do. We're here to include everybody in the dance, in the circle of the Ravai island. I was thinking, Mashiach, Mashiach is also very much like this. Mashiach comes from the most sketchy of Yechus, the nice light with, who had a relationship with their father, and from that came, of course, um, came, uh, came, came Rusa, my aviyah came David Amelach, the Gemara's husband of and told you, you're clang about whether or not you should be the king. Make sure that his yichus is good enough to be a member of Paul He was, the whole yichus was very, the whole question mark about his yichus. David Amelach and David Amelach himself was, of all his brothers, the least likely to succeed. David and Malik had very strong, handsome, robust brothers, and Shmuel came to anoint one of the, the, the sons of Yishai, and the last person that they thought would, would be the, the candidate for the job of of being the Melch of Klal Yisrael was David. David was uh, ruddy-haired; he was ruddy-cheeked. He had red hair, ruddy cheeks. He was Yafei. I the the says. But even Shmuel doubted that he was the right man for the job, and after Shmuel got very upset at him. Aked Shmuel says, "What are you What are you saying?" He says, "You're you're." He sat down, he he was mezalzel in David HaMalek, I want you to be meshechem, anoint him as the king. He is the king. And he says, Get up, what are you sitting down? Stand up, you're in the presence of a king. My Mashiach is here and you're sitting, he's standing, you're sitting. And when David HaMalek became king, he... Coined this beautiful Pasig in Halal, Evan that the stone that the builders found disgusting. There was uh, you know, there were stones that are good to, to be included in a building, and then there are stones that, you know, all the throw that stone away, that's not a good stone. Evan Mah that stone that everybody said was least likely to succeed, Davin Amelef. The other brothers, they were the they were the big knackers. David Amelch, you know, he's he's that stone became the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the hush of a stone in the building. You know, if you see new buildings, a lot of times there's a cornerstone with a date that that's the Spitz stone of all the stones that's the stone you want to be, if you're a stone. That's David mouth. Everybody discounted him, everybody thought never David. David not not happening. Heisler Reish David said about himself that I became the Reish Pina. Mashiach comes from David, and Mashiach is also an ani v'roicha Is a poor man riding on a on a donkey. The last person you think you expect Mashiach to be with a you know a beautiful frack and a you know a bekisha and a strainmol and something. I don't know who you who you envision Mashiach. I think Yaakov has a famous vart. He, he said, how are we going to have Mashiach? Everyone ever wonder, like, who's Mashiach going to be? If, uh, you know, if a chassid, if, it, if it's a chassid, then chassidim will be behind them, but the litvaks, the misnagdim won't, you know, and, and if it's a uh, misnagdi, then chassidim are going to turn their backs on him, and if it's, uh, you know, somebody of, uh, you know, Sardi, Ashkenazim won't be into it, if it's Ashkenazim, Sfaridim, what's going to be? Who's Mashiach going to be? And Yaakov says, like the Gemara in Megillah, that Esther, that Esther found favor in the eyes of all that saw her. And the Gemara Darshan's Every single person, if a, Esther didn't say who she was from, which nationality she was from. So the Persians pointed her and said, of course, she's Persian. And the Castian looked at her and said, no, nah, no, she's Kasti. And then the, uh, you know, from Yavon, they thought she was Greek. And every single umachap, they looked at her and they thought she's from us. And if Yaakov Kamenetzky says that that's how Mashiach is going to be, every single person is going to look at Mashiach and claim him as his own. There are certain, like, universal figures, like, uh, I guess the closest person I could think of in history, recent history at least, is the Chassam Sefer. Chasim Seifer is somebody that like, everybody will acknowledge. Hasidim think he's a Hasid and Yekis think he's a Yekka and you know because he's in Hungary, it's like Central Europe so everybody like acknowledges, everybody loves the Hasem Seifer. Everybody knows the Hasem Seifer is like the, you know he's the greatest Paisic, the Tshuvas, the Hasim Seifer unbelievable, the Chidush and the Hasim Seifer unbelievable and he wrote poetry he, he appeals, is everybody loves the Chasim Seifer, somebody like that somebody like that, somebody that everybody looks at and says yeah, he's mine Mashiach is somebody who we might think is going to be coming in on a white horse and being like a savior, but he comes in as an ani verechav alachamar. He's a person also that you wouldn't believe that he could be it, that Evan Masu'abainim, Hesler Rashbinah, that the stone that everybody's going to say, that's Mashiach? You know, I thought Mashiach was going to be him or him. No, no, no. It's the least likely to succeed. That's always who Mashiach is going to become. Mashiach is going to be the person that you least expect to be Mashiach. Because that's those are the people that you have to watch out for. Izar Ibn greatness comes from the most the most unexpected places. The most unexpected places. I found an amazing Yalka Ruveni. The Alter Ruvani says, and we started with a question on the pasuk when it says that Ela b'nei Don mishpachaisim, and then it says chushim. What does it mean, Ela b'nei Don? It should say this is the Ben bandon. Now Ela b'nei Don b'nei Don was chushim. So listen to what he says. Unbelievable. He says it says b'nei Mishim chashivusa because he was very chashiv. Shehu yachid shukel k'rabim. He was an individual. That was shachol Karabim. It's sort of like the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara says, like you include the pasuk of Zechira of Sarei Menu, right? Because from Sarah comes Klal Yisrael. Sometimes you have an individual that even though she's a yachid, but you can, can consider her to be a rabbin. Don Chushim Ben Don was considered to be a rabbin. That's why we consider. What, that's why we call him Vnei Chush Vnei Don Chushim. Why? Sheyatza Mimenu Mashiach Ben David. Out of Chushim comes Mashiach ben David. I didn't. I didn't twist this around. I didn't think of this. And then, you know, this was, I'm, This was a, You know, I found this Yalkaruvani afterwards. I, I was just thinking that Mashiach is Azah Demus of of, uh, of Chushim ben Don. And now I see that Chushim ben Don Mashiach stems from from Chushim ben Don. Chushim became Melach Mashiach comes from Chushim. And in fact, he said his mother was from Don. Mashiach's mother was from Don, who knew, and then it says Chushim Chaserav. The word Chushim is Chaserav, Ches Shin Yod Mem Mashiach. The word Chushim itself is Mashiach. And the Shlak says the same word. The Shlak says that quotes quoting the Arizal that Chushim Chaserksev Shu is Mashiach. It's such a tremendous sight. This is what we're here for. Our job in life is to discover, is to bring out the fullest potential of every single person. You find those hidden gems in life. You find those people that you know there's greatness, but for some reason they're not able to, to realize it. They're not able to express their greatness. We know people like that. We know that there's something more to them but for some reason they're just hidden and they're not, and they need a little chizak. You know, I just was thinking now, you know, um, and one of the great people in, you know, that I was fortunate to know is Rameir uh, Zladowitz, who was responsible, as you know, for Arts Girl, the entire Arts Girl revolution. And, you know, you can't go into any Basmedish without having a Shas Barley and, and the Blue Shas and the Red Shas. You know, in every, every Arts Girl book that was ever published, it's just one man's you know, so you think he's probably a big time with I and mean, he probably was, uh, you, know, uh, you know, very popular, very, you know, and, that, and he was, he was very popular. When I knew him, he was, uh, he was the king of the world. He had Schottensteins, he had all, every is throwing money at him, running after him to, to sponsor him, and, you know, tremendous. But if you read his biography, there was a biography written about him a few years ago. And it's a it's, it's must-read if you have, a, you know, after camp is over, you have a, a little time, you know, it's, a, it's very Kedai, it's called very Meir And he was overweight when he was a child. He had a terrible, terrible stutter. He wasn't good at sports. He was literally one of these kids that, you know, you look at and you say, Nabuch. like, you know, what's going to be with him? And what's going to happen to him? And later in life, he, you know, he he, uh, he got a, he was divorced from his wife, whatever that was written about in the book. I'm not being, trying to be a this. Everything was written beautifully about in the book. And he was struggling. He had a, he was a single dad. He was raising his three children, Kemat, I think, by himself. And and he wanted to speak to his rabbi, Ramesh Feinstein. And uh, and he went to visit Ramesh. He had to cry to him about how difficult his plight was, and Ramesh had a very important. The entire going on, he couldn't come. And then the next day was a very big snowstorm, and they, he was stuck in the house the whole day, you know, watching the kids, being a babysitter, and he had to do his work. And his, his the business was falling apart, his family life is falling apart, everything was falling apart. And there was a knock on the door at night, and again it was snowstorm. Nobody was walking around the streets of New York. And he opened the door, and there was standing Ramesh Feinstein. He had walked how many miles? I don't know to get to his house. And he came in and he uh, he put each of the kids to bed, he lifted them up, he got them into pajamas or something, he put them into bed, he said Kriyash Malamito with them, and then he sat down with Remeir Zlatowicz in the living room and said, Now talk to me. And mayor was like just pouring out his heart to him and and the story could have ended there and we never would have heard about him, but Hakar gave him tremendous, tremendous kaifis nefesh and he was able to build this this, this yeshiva without walls that has influenced and inspired millions of people around, you know, around, you know, I think it single-handedly probably revitalized Dafyami, you know, in America, I remember when I was growing up as a kid, I don't remember any Dafyami shirin, I don't remember, I just don't, maybe they existed in other, in the five towns or whatever, I grew up in Long Beach, I don't remember, I don't think there was a I was, I'm almost positive that there was never a it, in. Gemara, like if there was like one day a week that the rabbi gave a Talmud class, that was a fetish. Remember there was two balabats and they used to learn, I think, Mishnayis together after diving and that was like, wow, and they're big to me. Like I had no, and then like, but with Arts Girl, suddenly like it opened up the world of prayer to so many people. My point is that, that sometimes you have these, people that you don't understand how much potential lies within. But if you just like, you know, immediately look at them and and size them up and, and already categorize them, put them in a box and say, okay, they are not, you know, successful, and these people are these are the people I want to hitch my wagon to, and not those people, then more often than not you'll be wrong. Because more often than not, there's so much good that's found in so many people and specifically the people that are suffering and that have so many sorrows and challenges, if you're able to unlock them and you're able to help them a little bit and put your arm around them and take a walk with them and just just mobilize them and allow them to do their top fit in life, then just watch out and you'll see tremendous, tremendous issues coming from them. Why don't I want to just end with a, uh, with a story The holy Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidus, was once approached by a Hasid. And a Hasid, this Hasid goes over to him and says, "Rebbe, he says, I always hear about Eliyahu Navi, Eliyahu Navi, and he never died, he's around. He said, I want to see Eliyahu Navi. I want to finally get to meet Eliyahu Navi. Please tell me where I can find, how I can have this encounter with Eliyahu Navi he exists, you know, people have Gila Elio all the time. You hear stories about people meeting Elio. And now the recent Gideon that, you know, I want to see Elio Nabi. Hashem just says, fine, I'll show you Elio Nabi. He says, this Shabbos, I want you to go to a certain house. And he he gave exact directions. You have to walk through the forest, and it was in the middle of the winter. It was freezing cold and you're going to make a left at that tree and a right at that tree and then you're going to, you know, miles and miles in the frigid, you know, Russian winter, you'll get to a house and you'll stay there for Shabbos. You'll ask them if you could stay for Shabbos and in that house you're going to find Elio HaNavi. Chassid was so excited. It's finally my dream come true. I get to meet Elio HaNavi. So he gets his suitcase ready and he goes on his on his horse and buggy and he goes into the forest, deep into the forest. Finally he came to this house that the Baal said existed and sure enough he saw that there was some steam coming out of the chimney, he said this must be it. He knocks on the door and it's like maybe an hour before Shabbos, an early Shabbos in the winter and he opens up and he never saw a scene like what was going on in this house. He thought he was going to come in, he was going to see a be you know, sitting on a Kisesha or something, and you know, and, uh, you know, there was a, a woman answering the door, and she was wearing Shmatis, torn clothing, and there were kids in the background that were running around with bare feet, and uh, uh, also, like, they looked like they have not taken a shower in a long time, and there was, you know, grime all over the house, and there was such poverty, such abject poverty and the father was sitting depressed at a, at a table in the background, and he said, you know what, I don't know if I have time to get home for Shabbos. He was thinking to himself but I really don't want to stay here for Shabbos, but by then it was too late, and he said, would it be okay if I, if I stay here for Shabbos? So the wife said, listen, if you want to stay here, you're more than welcome, but I'll just say we don't have enough food to eat ourselves, so if you, if you brought food for yourself, then you could stay for Shabbos. If you don't, then, I don't know, you know, you might have to fast or something. We don't have enough food. He says, is there any Makolet in the neighborhood? Is there a place that I could go and, and buy? So he said, said, well, I don't know, it's a little close to Shabbos. Maybe he's still open. Go, you know, down a couple of trees and to the left. He goes into his horse. He goes riding. Sure enough, the guy was just about to lock up his store. And he says, what do you have left? He says, I have a little chulant, I have a little cl-. He says, hey, whatever you have, just pack it up, I need it. And he brought candies for the kids, or whatever it was back in those days, and fruits, and whatever, Mamish brought up the store, and he brought it in, the, the kids could not believe eyes; They never saw this much food in their entire life. And the, they set a beautiful Shabbos table using whatever they had, and suddenly there was light back in the eyes of the children and the husband, you know, got on oomph to him again, and he started getting ready for Shabbos and and the wife put on her fine Shabbos robe and and and, tichol, and, and they were like they couldn't believe it. Like this is finally they had a normal Shabbos. they never had this in their life. And they had a beautiful Friday night and they sang Zmeris and they said Tira and then Shabbos morning again, Shallashabis and and then he left and he said, so nice to spend the Shabbos with you, and they said, thank you so much for coming, and they were happy, and, and it was amazing, but he, he went back the next day, and he, uh, he went to the Rebbe, he went to the Baal Shem, and he said, Rebbe, I went there for Shabbos, but I didn't see Eliyahu and he said, well, describe to him with the scene what happened, and he told him exactly what happened, he says, Eliyahu wasn't there, I don't know what you were telling me, but he wasn't there. So the Baal Shem said, go back again this coming Shabbos. Then you'll see Leon Navi." He says, Rabbi, I, I can't go back. I mean, first of all, my wife missed me this Shabbos. My kids missed me. I, I, it, was, it didn't work. It, it wasn't there. He says, I'm telling you, I want you to ask me to see Leon Navi. I want you to go back this coming Shabbos a second time, and then you're going to find Leon Navi, Guaranteed. So this time, he already went prepared. He went to Gourmet Glat of those days, and he packed up all of the sushi and the, you know, and the, everything, the chalipshes, and everything he packed up, ushers, and bakl mikol and he brought them to this home again. Again, it was like an hour before Shabbos, and he was already armed with all of the matamim for Shabbos, and he knew that he was going to be misameach them, and before he was about to enter the house, the door was open a little bit, the door was ajar, and he, before he went in, he stopped... Before he went in, he stopped and he um, and he listened in to what was being said, what was being spoken between uh, the family. And what was happening was that the kids were crying to their mother. The kids were crying to the their letters? mother, and they were saying that um, they were saying that the kids were crying. I don't want I don't ruin the highlight. <laughs> um, they're saying, Mama, we want a Shabbos like last Shabbos. We don't want to go back to the poverty. We don't want to have nothing to eat again. We want to have a joyous Shabbos like we had last Shabbos. So she looks at the kids and she says to them, do you think that Eliyahu and Navi comes every single time? You think every Shabbos Eliyahu Navi is gonna come? You have to be zeicha. you should daven a little bit, maybe Elyon Nabi will come again. And then this person chapt what the Ba'ashem meant. Sometimes we're looking all over for Elyon Nabi, we're waiting for Elyon where is Elyon Nabi? And Elyon Nabi is really you and I. We're Elyon Nabi. It's our job in life to be the Savior, to be the salvation, to be that that person that comes to be Mashiach others, to include others, and to find Mashiach, to be able to find Mashiach, because isn't Eliyahu Nabi's job at the end of the day to be the, vaser, to be the one that that tells us that Mashiach is about to come? Eliyahu Nabi is the one that shows us the way to finding Mashiach. And that's our job in life. Our job is to find to, to identify, to detect the chushim ben among us, to find those individuals, and we know of them, we probably have a whole list of them in our brains if we stop and think. People that need us. They need us. What do they need us for? They need a friend. Popular people don't always need so many friends. They have enough friends. It's the people that really are sad and lonely and when we come and we are able to give them a nice word, a compliment, "I like your suit," "I like your shirt," "Wow, that was a great play that you just made in the game," and you're able to lift them up, sometimes it just takes a word to be mechayim Masim. Eliyah, Navi is you and I, and we could bring Mashiach. We could find the chushim bendans, and from the chushim bendans is where Mashiach will come from, and it will be because of us. We could bring Mashiach but it's a matter of changing our perspective, the things that we always thought were true, that these are the people that I should be close to, these are the people that I should hang out with, these are the people that I should embrace, and the other people, you know, let other people worry about them, but that's not my favor. That's such a a folly, it's such a fallacy. The greatest gift that we have in life is the Cam Cayley legacy, and that is the ability to include even the most unfortunate amongst us, to play with them and to sing with them and to dance with them and to make them feel like they're the kings of the universe because you know what? Someday they probably will be. Thank you very, very much. Thank you.